This is Cross Culture, exploring the intersection of our faith and the culture that we live in. For our first episode, we're talking about Christian celebrity worship and public scandals. Hey guys, welcome to Cross Culture. We're really excited to start this podcast. I'm Jesse Dew, and in front of me is Pastor David Hurling. We both serve at our local church in New York, but we're really excited to discuss what it means to follow Jesus wisely in today's world. And to, to start everything off, I really wanted to just introduce ourselves and give Pastor David a chance to introduce himself uh, and the topic as well. So David, why don't you share with everyone who you are, where you come from, all that good stuff. Hello, everyone. I'm Pastor David. Uh, I'm the English congregation pastor at House of the Lord Christian Church in Flushing, New York. And we are doing this because we've seen so much uh, confusion out there about how we as Christians should interact with our culture, our society. I don't hear enough people talking about the big questions of how we relate to what is going on in our American culture. So this is an opportunity for us to just look at what the Bible has to say, look at how that encourages us to think and interact with uh, what we see going on each time that we look at the news or turn on the TV, uh, each of the times that we interact with the culture around us. Yeah, and there's a lot of intersection between uh, the Christian faith and especially major Christian leaders and uh, what we see on the news and on headlines and in social media. And there have been particularly uh, two major uh, events, two big fallouts that have happened in probably the past few months slash half, half year. And I was wondering if you could just give everyone a lowdown as to those, what those two are. So during the time when we were preparing for this podcast, we were suddenly hit by two huge bombshells. And one of them was the unfolding fall of Ravi Zacharias, the famous Christian speaker and apologist who uh, has been, at first it came out that he had uh, acted in sexually inappropriate ways with several massage therapists who were employed by him in several uh, massage establishments that he was the entrepreneur of. It seemed like it was a reasonable thing for him to be involved with, considering that he himself had physical weaknesses that required to be for there to be massage. But it quickly came out that there were uh, predatory, manipulative practices that were going on. That he was uh, propositioning some of his employees for sexual uh, for sexual activity, and it has since come to light that there was an even greater. Uh, extent to the manipulative behavior that was involved. Mm -hmm. Uh, They went through his electronic devices and they found over 200 uh, pictures of a sexual nature. It was uh, a huge mess. Mm. And to make it even worse, it was pretty clear that that Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, his organization, made almost no effort to investigate the claims once those claims were put forward. So it's a scandal really of the first order. I know that uh, I and many other people had put great stock in Revy Zacharias as 
one of the great Christian minds of our time. He was thought of as sort of the C.S. Lewis of the late 20th or early 21st century. Um, goodness only knows what, what people would find if we were knew this much about C.S. Lewis. But, yeah. um, but it, was, it was a huge blow for all of us. And uh, around the same time, the word started to come out about, that, about Carl Lentz, who, uh, if you're not somehow not following the news, uh, he became very famous through his connection with uh, Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez, sort of the, the celebrity circle connected with uh, Hillsong NYC and the, the significant ministry that they had going on there. And what came out first was the story of his affair with a young woman in uh, in Lower Manhattan. They met at a park while she was walking her dog, and just like a relationship struck up, and uh, and adultery went on. And then once that story came out, more stories began coming out about uh, other issues of spiritual abuse within Hillsong leadership, misappropri- mis, uh, misuse of official church funds, uh, church leaders getting gift cards that had no accountability, all sorts of problems came out. People started talking about Hillsong having like significant hookup culture. It just, oh, man. it became a, a huge mess that as is, all of these things began coming out. That is rough. Yes. It, it pains me to hear those things. I remember being like a college student and listening on the radio, uh, 107.9 in California, just hearing... Ravi Zacharias uh, preached the gospel on that radio, and being and I was really struck by the way that he shared his um, I guess his passion and zeal for sharing about Jesus. And uh, he was probably the first pastor and only pastor where I like I felt like I needed to research more about his ministry and what he was doing just from hearing him on the radio. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Carl living in New York. Carl Lentz and Hillsong, New York, is like a landmark for for what many where many Christians want to visit when they come to New York, or it's just everybody knows about Hillsong, New York, in um, in these Christian circles, and so to hear about really devastating things happening to their leaders, these um, at around the same time, was just like a big one-two punch, especially for me. I think for me, two different things hit me when I first heard each of these stories. The first one that hit me was, oh man, the people who hate Christians are going to have a field day with this. <laughs> this is, if someone like, if someone like Ravi Zacharias can, can fall and fall so dramatically, it, it, it feeds into the anti-Christian narrative that we're all just hypocrites who speak about who speak about holiness in public so that we can conduct all sorts of shenanigans after dark. And that was the first thing that, that hit me. The first thing that hit me when all of this came out about Carl Lentz is how is this going to impact the, the circle of celebrities to, in whose lives he was very significant and yeah. important. Major ripple effects. Major ripple effects. Yeah. But the second thing that hit me, and especially as actual quotes from Ravi came in from his accusers, hit me, if anything, just as hard, 
which is that he knew how word of how much scandal getting out mm. would affect the hearers. He right. started saying things like, "You better not tell because if you tell, there will be a huge scandal that will affect the Christian world," <sighs> and that, which is. To me, that bothered me even more because it really feeds into the issue of how we as Christians treat our our own specialized celebrities. Yeah. So, like, what what is it about celebrities that, you know, that make it so appealing for us to, like, want to elevate them anyway as, as human, as a part of human nature? Um, what do you think? Well, part of it is just that we love having role models. We love having people who have gone before us and done better than we have so that we have someone that we can aspire to become like, so someone that we can um, dream about being. How many basketball players uh, worked harder at basketball because they wanted to be like Michael Jordan? They had seen someone reach the pinnacle to which they had wanted to obtain. Now, in some ways, that actually makes the idea of a celebrity more appealing to us than the person themselves. If we then began to really investigate Michael Jordan and we talk about his, uh, his gambling habits or how he acted in the bedroom or all of the various things that, um, that interrupt sort of the narrative that gets told about Michael Jordan and his work ethic and things like that, we don't want to hear those things because those things uh, aren't just teaching us more about a person they disturb our personal narrative about that person. They, mm. they help to challenge the idea that we associate with that person. Mm -hmm. And that's why Christians like having celebrities as much as anyone else. Because we want to have this idea that the Christian life is doable. That if we just work hard enough, if we just pray long enough, if we just study enough, we can be powerful. We can be used by God. We can be great. Because we've seen somebody else do it, or so mm -hmm. we think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then, like, is there a difference between how uh, the secular world may look at it versus the Christian view? Like, are we supposed to be looking at it differently as Christians, looking at these celebrities or major world leaders? Well, when we look at the Bible, it's clear that there is some extent of role modeling that we're meant to have, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Paul says, imitate me as, we, as I imitate Christ. Right. And there, yeah. so there is some truth to that. There's some truth to the fact that in order to live the Christian life well, we have to have seen it done uh, by somebody else first. Paul says to Timothy, uh, I want you to teach uh, young, young people who are able also to teach others. There is this sense in which Christianity and the faith are something which is passed down. And in that sense, it is good to have role models. But where things start to become dangerous, and I really think that this is the, probably the single most dangerous thing for Christian celebrities, is that we as Americans also have scandal culture. If we start talking about, your, if we start talking about our temptations, our faults, our flaws, our problems— it immediately becomes a headline, and it's really hard to back up. Mm. And that, that's what allows us to go from having small problems with sin to all of a sudden having enormous problems of sin is because there isn't room to be, especially in the Christian community, mm. rel rel relative to the secular community. In the secular community, if you hear that a celebrity has a problem, 
it's it's bad. It makes the front, but not nearly the same way as is as it is if it's a Christian celebrity who is caught doing something wrong. Yeah, as a secular person, and you hear that they have some sort of problem, drug problem, alcohol problem, it's almost like, oh, that's kind of relatable. Mm-hmm. But for the Christian, you almost want to throw them into this this pit of guilt and shame. And sure, Robert yeah. Downey Robert Downey Jr. went on to be Iron Man well after he went came out of drug rehab you know what i'm yeah. saying mm-hmm. can you imagine a pastor who became can you imagine a pastor going into drug rehab a famous pastor and coming out and becoming even more famous after coming out of drug rehab it'd be hard so hard because there is a sense in the christian community that if you really struggle with sin that if you really struggle with sin then in some way you have failed jesus that that the, the, the overcoming, conquering power of Jesus over sin has not happened in your life. Ergo, you must be, there must be something wrong with you. And that's why as soon as these Christian celebrities, and, you know, they're, what, if, what if other people struggle with sin? What if, would you feel bad about it if, you know, you heard someone like Tim Keller or Mike Bickle talk about their, their own private temptations and how they've wrestled with them and how they've, they've fallen or, or how they've received victory? Would you feel comfortable with that and feel the same about those people if they told you the specifics of how they struggled? Mm-hmm. Mm. Would you see them? Would you see them as higher and better for having shared about it? This is where we as Christians need to take responsibility for the celebrity culture and the expectation of perfection that we have created. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I remember finding out that. Tim Keller liked sautéed mushrooms as his favorite dish, and I, I was like, "Really, Tim? Come on!" <laughs> and that, that was just a really small thing, but I thought so highly of him. And even something small like that made me like make a comment like that. And so, um, you're right. Like we esteem those that we we love, especially in the Christian community, because we think like, yeah, they're they're walking the Jesus way, and they're doing it. Mm-hmm. It's possible. It's not just Christians who do it either. I mean, yeah. to this day, Muslims around the world get into the bathtub with their right foot first because the, the story is, the tradition is that Muhammad used to get to the bathtub with his right foot first. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is to some extent part of human nature. We all want to be like the ones who we look up to. So aside from just kind of giving space for a celebrity or a major Christian leader to, to be human, mm-hmm. what else is our responsibility as, as Christians so that we can help prevent these moral failures and you know, restoration if they do fall? Like, What can we do as normal Christians? I think one of the things that we could start to ask is, uh, how can we build a real support structure for those who have become, for better or worse, big names. how Maybe we can have them connect to one another. Perhaps we can have some sort of a, uh, a structure, a network, where they, can, where they will be free to talk about the, the, the dark side of their soul, where they can talk about their temptations and their weaknesses, uh, where people can ask them the specific and difficult questions when it comes to finances or sexuality. Uh, the other side of that would be that if people are hesitant to answer those questions, we would know that they're hesitant. 
So that way there could start being red flags where people would say, hey, like, well, let's really follow up with this. Let's know that this is a question mark so that we wouldn't have to guess and wonder if the people who we think have integrity in their lives actually do or not. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because not that long ago, I recall that there were people making fun of Vice President Pence for following the Billy Graham rule, saying, I don't want to be caught. I don't. I don't want to be alone in a private space with a, uh, with a with a woman, and the media had such a field day with roasting him over it, and now it's turning out that that might, might not be such a bad idea, but the idea that people are being are being held accountable and that we're able and that in holding one another accountable, we are not criticizing one another, but we are we are actually making sure, protecting one another that we are keeping these the small sins from snowballing into enormous sins that would really be where uh, things would very much help yeah and i think very just like a just an awareness of your leaders that you look up to Mm -hmm. uh, and being proactive and asking how they're doing or um i think that would go a long way i think about how you know even just being a leader in our small little church here Mm-hmm. Uh, can still feel isolated and lonely. Absolutely. Yeah. Not many people. Which is why pastors need to have friends who are other pastors. Right. From other places yeah. that really care for them, uh, and and aren't afraid to ask the questions. Mm. I think you almost are. Are it, it's intimidating to to kind of be like, you know, to ask your pastor, ask your church leader hey, how can I pray for you? Like, what's going on in your heart? Like, what are you struggling with? Part of you doesn't want to believe that they do struggle, and the other part is just like, maybe they don't have anything to struggle struggle with to begin with. But we know that's not true. One of the th- quotes that really stood out to me in uh, reading through all of the stuff that came in, particularly about Ravi Zacharias, is that he, he was quoted by one of the... Uh, by one of the women is saying, I need this. You have no idea the, just the pressure that my ministry puts on me, how much it costs me. So what we're looking at here is two realities going on at the same time. On the one hand, we are seeing the, the dark side, the vulnerable part of Ravi Zechariah's soul which has been exposed to us in a way that very few of us will ever really experience. We've never had our the skeletons in our closet just laid out for all of America to see and, uh, and shake their heads at. On the other hand, there is this real and vicious price, that this human cost which is being paid in, in hurt women who have experienced the unique pain that comes from both experiencing the actual manipulation and violation of trust that goes on in any kind of sexual uh, coercion of this kind, and at the same time going adding into the, the really unique pain that comes from, from the betrayal of someone who's supposed to be modeling Jesus to you and saying, man... If this was the person who was showing me Jesus, is this what Jesus is like? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So painful. Yeah. And if I had a chance to speak to some of these women, 
I would want to encourage them that Jesus is not like Ravi Zacharias. And yet, at the same time, to not use that as an excuse to belittle the pain and the difficulty and the grief that they must actually be processing. So many of us are quick to jump right to theology and say, you know, yes, that this is bad, but our faith rests not on human wisdom and human goodness, but on the reliability of God. Well, okay, I mean, yes, that is true. We, our faith rests not in human moral perfection, but in the, the moral perfection and, and our trust in God. But boy, the pain of it still really hurts. And working through it has got to be just an absolute bear. And I hope that we as a church don't rush to uh, move past that pain so that we can get back to whoever the next great apologist is. Hmm. Yeah, and and Hillsong too. I mean, what do we, what will we say to, say the church members, the faithful congregants of Hillsong NYC, uh, in regards to, you know, they're they're taking the co- the human cost of these scandals as well. Um, it's directly affecting their church, their ministry life, uh, and their community. Yeah, and I think that's the easy thing for us to forget when we look at a headline. When we read a headline, we're able to just shake our heads and say, oh, this is so bad, and then we move on with the rest of our lives. But if this is your home church, this is with you for a long time. After the scandal has already passed the newspapers, you're still left handling the fallout. You know, when, when Hillsong NYC first came to New York, I felt like um, as another pastor in the area, I, there was a lot of resentment in my heart towards Hillsong. They, they got so big so quickly. And, you know, you and I both knew it wasn't that they weren't growing that big through conversion growth, because that's just not possible that quickly, right? Yes. So, and then as time passed, I felt like the Holy Spirit just really challenged me to, to feel differently and to relate to them differently. And kind of as the stories began to come in and as we started to hear more of the, the, the stories of transformation through the ministry, as we began seeing the positive effects in the life of people like Justin Bieber and so on, who had his own sort of scandals in the public eye and, and kind of got his act back together little by little, then I, I started to see the purpose that God had in using Hillsong in ministering to these people who, frankly, were way too big to ever come to, to my church. And I started to appreciate what God was doing there. And I think that was part of what, for me, made the Hillsong scandal so much more painful than it would have been if it had happened, like, right away, right during the beginning of what they were doing. Mm. And if you were if you were a person who is at Hillsong, if you have to go there on Sunday morning and say, man, how do we move forward? I think the first thing that I would want to tell you is God still has a hope and a dream and a plan for your church. And all of the, the, all of the darkness and all of the sin that we can have will never be greater than what, God, what Jesus accomplished when he died for us on the cross. Mm-hmm. And whatever the changes may come, and there do need to be changes, and I'm sure that even now there are changes proceeding, 
changes that can't be covered up, changes that need to be worked through, grief that needs to be processed. At the end of all of that death, we need to trust that, that Jesus is able to bring new life from the midst of that death, from the midst of that grief, and that the people of New York City, who God loves so dearly and who he holds so, so close to his heart, are still just as valuable tomorrow as they were yesterday, mm-hmm. and that God still wants to reach them. So if you are, a, if you are someone listening to this and, and Hillsong NYC is your home church, I would encourage you, don't give up. Keep going. Keep praying. Keep believing. Believe that God will use your church to reach the people of your neighborhood because he loves them just as much as he did before all of this happened and that there is still a plan of God for you. Yeah. Amen. I wonder if we can close out this podcast with just praying for um, both whatever happens with Ravi Zacharias' ministry and for um, for Hillsong NYC and the people that are um, directly affected by everything. Let's do it. Father, we know that your heart is with the vulnerable and the broken, the fatherless and the widow. And Lord, these scandals have left so many spiritual fatherless in in their wake. So Father, we ask that you would show yourself as the God of comfort. We ask that you would bring peace everywhere where there is heartbreak. And we ask, Lord, that you would work in each of these uh, people for the sake of your name. And Father, I ask for the sake of whoever would be next, whoever would be the next big scandal, that they would be protected, that that the darkness and the sin in their heart would be challenged. Lord, I ask that you would help all of us who are in church leadership not um, not to jump on when sin is confessed, but that we would be uh, become a community who would be willing to love one another and correct one another gently. We ask, Father, that you would help us to uh, deal with sin when it is small before it can become enormous. We ask, Lord, that you would comfort every bleeding heart and that you would help us, Lord, to live in your peace. We thank you for all that you're doing, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thank you for joining us for Cross Culture. We'll see you next time.